2: Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? How did they end? Let's find out on this episode, A Fan of History. Hello, Dan.
1: Hello, Bernie. I am so excited for this.
2: Yes. This is Dan's episode. I'm going to shut my mouth for a little while.
1: Uh, well, we will talk about another great Ramana teacher from India. Next to the Buddha, Mahavira, the 24th Tirthankara. Hmm. Before I get into Jainism and uh, the great hero, which is what Mahavira means, ah. I wanted to mention Confucius. Con- How do you pronounce that in English?
2: I say Confucius.
1: Confucius,
2: yes. That's how I say it, yeah.
1: The very reason for the word confused. (laughs) Yeah, right. He is born on uh, September 28th, 551, maybe. Mm -hmm. But we'll talk about him in the 540s in order to do like one or more episodes on all the great philosophies and religions of the 550s. Yeah. This one is all about Jainism. The Buddhists were eventually... Expelled from India. That's why Buddhism isn't that big in India. But they had to go elsewhere. But the Jainists, they were never expelled. Oh, So first, they are still there. There is uh, somewhat less than 5 million Indians still practicing this religion.
2: Yeah. I hear that they're very successful, too. They're like lawyers and doctors
1: and stuff like that. Oh, yes. It's an interesting religion. I will try not to talk too much about that, but talk about the historical person. Mahavira. Okay. But we also need to cover India. So um, remember the organization of northeast India? Yeah, a little bit. You can remind me. Uh, The 16 kingdoms?
2: Yes, there were 16 different kingdoms.
1: Yes, the traditional number is 16. So we have along the Ganges River, we have four centrally placed states. And they at first compete among themselves for dominance. To the northwest was Kosala, which had several cities, for example, Shravasti and Saketa. South of the river was Magadha, ruled very shortly by the guy we mentioned as Buddha's disciple. Remember him?
2: Yeah, kind of.
1: Magadha, which will shortly be ruled by King Bimbisara. And he will be very important to Jainism as well. Super important, actually. Even more important than it was in Buddhism. Hmm. Maybe even all important.
2: Wait, do you have to tell me there's a, Buddha's, there's a Buddha's disciple, it's
1: ruling, and then he's important in Buddhism and in Jainism? Yes, and he's actually not ruling yet. So I will mention when he takes the power in Magadha. Because this episode is all about Mahavira. Okay. To the southwest, we have Kasi. And to the northeast is Vri. <laughs> So, these are the four central powers. And Magadha will conquer this entire area, but it will take a long time. Okay. We also have the outlying states outside these four central states. We have Aga, Vatsa. <laughs> You're the best. Where there are excavations, actually, right now. Oh, man, that'd be great. And India is notoriously hard to excavate. It is. Yes, because it's so populated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We also have uh, Surasena, Avanti. These will just be 16 names, but they will come back later in our story. Okay. And then we have Sedi, Matsaya, and Pankata on the upper Ganges River. Okay. And away to the northwest, we have Gandhara. And now we're getting to the region where the Shamana tradition is not that strong and it's more vedic religion turning into hinduism okay and then we have the short-lived state of mala but we will get back to this world when Bimbisara takes power and we'll see the rise of Magadha here okay
2: they're very similar in like culture this these all these different areas right i mean they're they're similar like they're like the same kind of people they have sort of the same beliefs they sort of the same structures right i mean they're different countries so to speak but they're They're similar. They're not like Greece and India
1: is totally different. That's true. And there will be four religions coming out of India. Hinduism, Sikhism, Mm -hmm. Buddhism, and Jainism. And they all share some common concepts, such as rebirth and karma. Right. But a lot of Indian historians see the parallel here with the rise of Magadha and the rise of Persia in the west Mm. and eventually these two cultures come into contact Mm -hmm. and that will uh, happen during the lifetime of cyrus right but that is northwest india he will reach first that is the vedic region this is mainly we, we are sticking to the northeast and the shramana territories right do you remember the shramanas remind me They are the thinkers of Northeast India. Okay. And they don't adhere to the Vedic religion that much. And they think a lot about the existence of the soul, if you are supposed to eat meat or not. And they they are philosophers. They fit really well into the 6th century BC. For sure. And there were, as I mentioned in the Buddha episodes, over 60 different schools of thought. Only two of them survived. Buddhism and Jainism
2: hmm So interesting. And
1: they are very related. You will notice that Siddhartha Gautama would make a great Jainist. Yeah. And they, they consider him a charming fellow of sorts, but he was not one of the Tirthankaras, And the Tirthankaras are all that matter. So our guy today... They're all that matter in Jainism. Oh, yes.
2: Right, okay. Just being sure.
1: They are more important than the gods. Because as Buddhism, Jainism uh, acknowledges that they are gods. But the Tirthankaras are even better than gods. Amazing. And this guy, Mahavira, who we're going to talk about today, was the 24th Tirthankara. Hmm. And then I probably have to explain what this means. I think so. A Tirthankara is a Ford maker. He is one who builds the path for others to follow. Because the big problem is, of course, rebirth. You're born again all the time. And you have to end that, just like Buddha wanted. Mm -hmm. End the endless cycle of rebirths. And the ones who discover how to do that are the Tirtankaras. Mm -hmm. It's Buddha-like. Yeah. So Jainism... Believes that the universe was never created, it always existed, and it has no creator. Okay. Time is split into eras. Eras are very, very, very long. Ridiculously long. Super long. Much longer than the age of the universe, because the universe has no age in Jainism. And I'll get back to exactly how long the current era is because it's really, really long.
2: Who creates the eras, though? I'm sorry, but like, if you have no god, who's in charge of these eras? <laughs> no one know. is.
1: They are, all, they are there. <laughs> they are everything. Yeah. And there's been an infinite number of these eras before. Right. And an infinite number of Tirtankaras. Okay. But the eras are defined by the lives of 24 Tirtankaras. 24 great guys.
2: I understand now.
1: N- nobody does. So.
2: <laughs> I mean, I get it, though. Like, there's The eras aren't like, we're not coming to the end of an era because it's already been preset. It takes a tier, con- you know, one of those guys to be born and become one of them.
1: Well, we're actually now at the very end of the current era, even though it has lasted a billion, billion, million inches of the universe. Oof. So it's now ending pretty much right now.
2: Damn.
0: Better get my...
1: And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor
2: furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: So Mavira is the 24th Tirthankara of the current era, which is ending. The historical evidence for this guy. Remember that we said that the historical evidence for Jesus is bad? Yeah. The historical evidence for Buddha was even worse. Hmm. But this guy... Is considered a historical person, as is the twenty third Tirtankara hmm. Parshvanatha. But the evidence is basically well somebody created this, and it was probably him because that's what the Jainist says. Alright. But the evidence is horrible and all remember India does not have writing. Right. So his disciple took down his his teachings. But they were lost. So we don't have much of them. Mm-hmm. So before they were written down, they lost most of the teachings. As always happens to us. So Mahavira was perhaps born in 599. It's about as uncertain as the Buddha. Mm-hmm. And he died in 527 BC, which makes him contemporary with the Buddha, but somewhat older. Okay, And thus, King Bimbisara of Magadha could meet both of them. He could hang out with Mahavira first and then meet the Buddha. Yeah. Do you remember how Bimbisara died? No, I don't remember. In the Buddha story? No, remind me. Buddha's evil cousin, Devadatta, tried to take over the Sangha, the community, which is also the term for the Jainists. They're also the Sangha. Okay. And he made uh, Bimbisara's son imprison him and then kill him. Oh. But in Jainism... Exactly the same thing happens. I'll get back to that. But Bimbisara is not killed by his son, which is important. Okay. I have to mention the religion a bit first for you to understand Mahavira. Okay. And there was a great schism in the religions. There are actually two schools today. But this schism happens a thousand years later than this. Yeah. But it's super funny. So I have to talk about it. I- it
2: is. Right, that was just about
1: the monks or something, right? Uh, Please forgive me, Jainists. So, (laughs) oh,
2: I remember. Yes,
1: tell it. (laughs) The Sangha is composed of normies and monks and nuns, and nuns are more common Uh than monks in one of the schools, one of these two split schools of Jainism. Mm -hmm. But uh, one rule is that if you are a monk or a nun, you must have no attachments to material things. So the schism is about, can you even wear clothes? (laughs) Because if you wear clothes, you get attached to them. Yeah, I know. I love my clothes. So one school has only naked monks. (laughs) But they can't have naked girls running around, so girls just can't be nuns. They have to live a good life and then be reborn as men so they can become monks but the other school allows white clothes and nuns lots of them but the naked naked school does only allow men
2: i have two things to say about that one is if you're going to be if you're going to be have no attachments and it shouldn't matter if you're a man or a woman but my other thing i like to say is that i went to a catholic school and i'm glad that those nuns weren't naked so Well, I guess I'll go with that. I mean why does it it seems like why do they say, well obviously women can't be naked. Why is that obvious? But
1: <laughs> uh, because of men problem.
2: Uh, yes, pretty much. But if you have no attachments, you should be fine. In practical matters.
1: If you try to remember one thing about Jainism today, I want you to remember Ahimsa. The principle of non violence. This is the most important rule in Jainism. Which means that This is the world's most peaceful religion. They will not Mm -hmm. commit violence even to protect themselves or their children. Amazing. That means that they're always vegetarians. So they're quite like the Buddhists, but they are more hardcore, I would say. Oof. Especially the monks and the nuns. There are no other positions in the religions. You can't be a priest or a
2: a guru or something. Uh uh Ah, okay.
1: Uh, Mahavira probably invented this. Hmm. but uh, Janus says that uh, 24 Tirtankaras invented this each one of them but I'll talk a bit more about them soon Okay. one other thing you need to know is that uh, there is heaven and hell and there are gods mm-hmm. and there is karma so if you yeah. do good deeds you get good karma if you do bad deeds you do, you get bad karma but in order to stop rebirth, you must have no karma. No karma. Yes. So you must do no good deeds and no bad deeds. And one interesting, Just no deeds. One interesting, uh, absolutely no deeds is you have to think a lot and uh, do a lot of painful things to yourself. And be hungry. <laughs> but if you get their view of karma is special because they consider karma almost a kind of dust or points that connect to you. Mm -hmm. And if you have a lot of bad karma, you are reborn in hell, where the bad karma burns away. If you have a lot of good karma, you're reborn in heaven, which is a super fantastic place. But then you spend your good karma, and then you're reborn back into the normal world. But you're still reborn. So the Tirthankaras are way better than people who are in heaven, or gods, and there's actually uh, one of the twenty-four Tirthankaras that will be born in the coming era is a god who has behaved especially correctly. Mm. So it's one of the Hindu gods who is supposed to, in his next life, become a Tirthankara. Oh, good for him! Way to go! So we have twenty-four Tirthankaras in uh, in the current era. Okay. So let me tell you about the first one. Okay. He is born 2 to the power of 224 years ago. What? Say that again. He is born (laughs) 10 to the power of 224 years ago. Oh my God, that's a long time. This is 10 to the power of 214 times longer than the age of the universe. (sighs) He also lives... 10 to the power, eight times longer than the age of the universe. And he's 1,500 meters tall. Where does he live? <laughs> well, actually, if you go back to 10 to the power, 224 years, you will discover there are cities in India. So he's born in a city of India. Uh-huh. And he does a lot of wise things. And in order to become a Tirthankar, there's been an endless number of Tirthankars in the previous eras. But this is the beginning our current era. Hmm. And in order to become a Tirtankara, you have to do five things. And you, Bernie, you have done two of them already. All right, I got my pen. Let me write them down. So you're 40% of the way to become a Tirtankara. (laughs) And there's been only 24 of these guys in 10 to the power of two hundred twenty-four years.
2: But this is like one of those games where you you go to McDonald's... ...and you get to collect the things. And then if you, oh, I have all three, like the Monopoly... ...but then you never get the main one.
1: And they are exceedingly harder... (laughs) (laughs) So the first thing you did, Bernie, on your way to become a Tirtankara is that your mother got pregnant. Okay, that was easy. (laughs) The second thing you did is that you were born. Good job. All right. (laughs) The third thing you have to do now is to abandon all your commitments and property. (sighs) Are you done with that? Uh, Yes. Okay, we'll work on that later.
2: Yeah, because we got, I need to keep this microphone on.
1: And whereas, whereas this guy, uh, Rid shab Hanafa? he spent a thousand years after abandoning his property. And then he become omniscient. Oh. And he got a following of three million female monks and 84,000 male monks.
2: All clothed, I assume.
1: Yes, they were clothed at this time. Or maybe that's not okay. what the other school says. I, I won't go into that. Yeah. And once you're is it's pretty easy to reach level five. You have to die and uh, achieve Moksha, where you are not reborn anymore. Hmm. And that's like a
2: special heaven, isn't it? from I understand, Moksha.
1: I don't understand it. But uh, this is what he did that long time ago. So let's. And when you look at the 24 great guys, they tend to have. Enormous heights and weird skin colors. But Mahavira is only six feet tall. So he dropped from 1,500 meters to six feet tall. And I'll just check in with uh, the crocodile Pushpadanta, the ninth <laughs> of the great guys. He's only 300 met- meters tall. <laughs> he only lives for 14.1 quintillion years. <laughs> you killing me. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. And he goes through the five steps as well. Sounds easy, right? But only 24 guys did it.
2: I know, I know. i not kidding.
1: If the evidence for Mahavira's historicity is bad, they're even worse for Parshvanatha. But he is number 23. He became okay. 100 years old and he was only 13 and a half feet tall. 13 and a half feet tall? Oof. Yes. And he lived in the... Uh, 8th century B.C. Oh, he was, he was tall. Oh, the seventh, the 9th century B.C., sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, depending on who you ask. Yeah. But he also seems to live in the world of the 5th century B.C., as they all do, because it's these places that now exist in India in the in the 6th century B.C. Okay. They are present. And remember, we talked about India in the 9th century B.C., and this doesn't sound like that place. Mm-hmm. But some historians claim that this guy is an historical person. The 13-foot guy? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we can restrict ourselves to trying to evaluate if Mahavira, the 24th guy, is a historical person. Okay. He uh, is also claimed to have lived 27 times before he achieved this... Moksha, mm. the end of rebirth. That's normally you have to be reborn eight million four hundred times. So this yeah,
2: is, this guy's pretty good. And
1: Buddha was reborn even more times than this guy was. Uh, he was uh, once he was reborn in hell, damn, and got rid of all his bad karma. He spent one life as a lion, and one life as the god Deva. Hmm. But then he was born for the final time as a prince. Oh. Do we recognize this? Tell me. Well, Siddhartha. The, the Buddha led, and his father's name was Siddhartha. Oh, jeez, mm, Coincidence? Mm. Maybe. His mother was Trishala. These two people were fanatic Jainists already, and devotees to the lore of Parshvanatha, the 23rd, great guy. At the age of 30, Mahavira got bored with the luxury, maybe even had a charioteer. That took him into the world where he could see suffering.
2: Who sounds familiar. Uh,
1: so he became an ascetic at the age of 30. Hmm. He practiced intense meditation and severe austerities for 12 and a half years, after which he attained Kivalayana, omniscience. This is hmm. very similar to the Buddha. So much so like the Buddha. And contemporary to the Buddha. Wow. There must have been a
2: certain time in the world that this kind of ma- magic was happening, maybe.
1: He preached for 30 years and then he attained moksha and wasn't reborn again. He seems to be about somewhat over 70 years old when he dies. The first evidence we have in writing or icons is from the first century BC in the north Indian city of Mathura. So everything is uncertain about this. Yeah. Do we have statues and stuff? Oh, yes. Yeah, we have a lot of them today, but none of them older than the 1st century BC. Oh, none of them older than that. Okay. And Ashoka doesn't care for this guy, so he didn't put a lot of great monuments up in the 3rd century BC.
2: Yeah. Splitting hairs, if you ask. me. I guess, you know, Buddha, this guy, pretty close.
1: And then we have the death of the 24th Tirthankara, which means that a new era is about to begin. But... I haven't understood completely. If we have to wait for the first Tirtankara of the new era, or if we actually are in the new era, hmm. maybe that's contested as well.
2: Oh, we don't know if he's born or not
1: yet. But we know who he is. Who is he? Well, back to Mahavira's life first, so we can introduce him. Because often the Tirthankaras have studied under the old Tirthankaras in a previous life. Oh, of course. So, during this uh, time when Mahavira preaches, he runs into King Bimbisara of Magadha. He sounds familiar. Yeah, it appears that King Bimbisara is very interested in shramanis and talking to this very clever guy who is now omniscient and um, before the Buddha. So, Bimbisara becomes a devotee of Jainism and studies, and Mahavira discovers that this is a super clever king and it seems that he has had very interesting previous lives. Didn't he already know that since he was omniscient? <laughs> Don't question Mahavira. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And
1: he, be, King Mimbisara becomes such a good disciple of Mahavira that he is on, on route to become the first Hirtankara. But then His son imprisons him, just like in the Buddhist legend. Jeez. But while in prison, he kills himself in a fit of passion. So Bimbisara kills himself in prison. And that's a big no-no, right? I was going to say, it's violence. You can't be violent. And that's very violent. Even to yourself. Yeah, so now Bimbisara has to be reborn and suffer for his bad karma here. So he will come back, and he will become Padmanaba, the first Tirtankara of the new eon. But it's been 2,500 years. We haven't seen this happen yet. He must have to go to the purgatory hell-slash-hell thing, right, to burn off the bad karma then. Maybe he had so much good karma he could make up for and just spend uh, one life as a god or something.
2: I'm telling you, if it was my deal, I would just do good things, go to the heaven for a little bit, and then come back. That seems fine to me. I don't want to walk around naked and not eat.
1: And then do more good things and go back to heaven. Yeah, just keep—that's
2: a good cycle. I don't know. Life was harder in the old days. I don't know. i kind of—all right. We, we could keep doing
1: podcasts and stuff. It would be great. So we're still waiting, and I guess this is kind of like the Messiah. Kind of, yeah. I hear you, yeah. But this religion arises— and uh, is still going strong today they have stayed in india and they have been quite successful in uh, other aspects as well yeah i heard that uh, there is a small uh, contingent of jainists in indian jainists in nigeria oh yeah yeah they they fled there at some point or they migrated there and they're still around in nigeria yeah hmm. Uh, there are also some in uh, Europe and in the U.S.
2: And then the deal with the Janus, is they they have to be so so nonviolent, right? That they I don't know if it's the um, the regular people, but the but the monks they have to carry brooms, right, and brush away any so they can't like step on any ants or anything like that. They can't go in a car because the car will crush things and the wind the windshield will hit bugs and things like that, right?
1: Yes. Uh, you will also have to wear um, mouth protectors so you don't swallow bugs.
2: Oh, that too. And you know what else? You can't eat potatoes or garlic.
1: Uh, because they're considered living because of the way they sprout.
2: Well, it's like the whole fruit. Like, So say you grow tomatoes. You just pick the tomatoes off of it or an apple tree. You don't eat the whole tree. But a to- potato, you got to pull the whole plant up and eat it.
1: Oh, I see. That's a good point. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like the root. You have to literally basically kill the plant to eat it, but like a tomato or an apple or something,
1: you could just pick it. I couldn't avoid the religion itself when I researched this. And one thing that really stuck with me was a great principle, the the principle of complexity, that there is no clean truths, that nothing is absolute, that all questions are complex and have many sides to them. Well, that's true, and this leads Jainists to really respect other religions as well. Oh, because there are good things in all religions, so yeah, they seem really nice.
2: They real nice people. I mean, you know, they're not gonna,
1: they're not gonna cause
2: any trouble. <laughs> that's for sure.
1: And that's probably how they made it this far.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, you would think that's well, you could probably come back to bite you if the king becomes one of those. But if you could get your people to all. Follow that religion, you would never have any revolts or anything.
1: I want to end this with a uh, conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. I love that.
3: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: As you noticed, there were quite a few similarities between the life of Buddha and the life of Mahavira. So many. So what if they were the same person?
2: Seriously? Somebody got confused.
1: Uh, so, um, with the help of uh, freelance lawyer, attorney, advocate, Amritanashu Tripathi, we will now uh, explore this question. Okay, let's do it. So, similarity number one, the teachings. The doctrines are different, but they have similar concepts. And the essence is about the same. Buddhism and Jainism are... Similar, way more similar than, for example, Buddhism and Christianity.
2: Absolutely,
1: both religions reject the authority of the Vedic traditions. Mm-hmm. In, in a sense, they are ancient atheists, but they do believe in gods. But gods are not that important, right? Similar to number two, is the conflict with the Brahmins and the, the caste system, mm-hmm. and there are no yeah. priests. Yeah, both have no priests, right? Similar to number three ambiguity in the date of birth they're born pretty close to each other and it's all oral tradition right similar to number four they have uh, similar named wives hmm. buddha's wife was yashodara and mahavira's wife was Yashoda. Hmm. That that's pretty close yeah that could have been corrupted over the years over at least 300 years of oral traditions and similar to number five, then is Mahavira's father, He's Siddhartha. That's weird.
2: Yeah, is that a real common name? I don't know. I think it's not super rare, but still, right, the same period, the same, almost the same person. I get it.
1: Yeah, and then we have point six from Amrita Anashu Tripathi, and that concerns Ashoka.
2: Mm-hmm. Ashoka was a king later, right? In like the-
1: yes, the king of the third century, the great conqueror of Magadha. Yeah, yeah. And he seems to be very interested in Buddhism, but he was also very violent. Mm-hmm. He persecuted one of the Shamanist groups that don't exist anymore. But he wrote good things about himself on all his inscriptions. Of course. And maybe he tried to get rid of the non-violence thing in Buddhism, oh. and thus the the people who stuck with non-violence became the Jainists. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because he's a pretty formative figure for Buddhism. A hundred percent. He's a big. He's a major. And we don't have anyone talking about Jainism in the third century BC.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. so a lot of people think Ashoka just made. You know, he's the one who. If it weren't for him, there wouldn't have been all that stuff. So he could have made up a lot of it. Could have took the took the so you're saying maybe they took the the Jainist and then turned it into Buddhists
1: or the other way around
2: but uh-huh. maybe
1: he created Buddhism to have a violent yeah. form of Jainism right, even though Buddhists are not that violent
2: right, but they could be, but a Jainists just can't
1: be one great difference between the two religions is that at some point one school of Buddhism became missionary. They wanted to convert people to their religion Mm. in a sense that Janus never has. Yeah, And as, as we both are from a Christian society, we tend to think that all religions are missionary religions, but they are definitely not. That's right. So for religion to aggressively spread, that's not that common.
2: That's right. You're right. Christianity. I think it was in Matthew where they said go out and, you know, That was like a major thing. Most religions didn't do that.
1: But it does happen to Buddhism a lot later than this. Mm -hmm. But it never happened to Jainism. That's why there's not that many of them. Yeah, so they they are happy in their community. And uh, if somebody wants to join them, I'm sure they'll work out a way to do that. But they will not aggressively pursue that. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. So that's what I have on religion and India for the 550s. uh, Next, in the 540s, we'll talk about Confucius.
2: Yeah, well, we still have to do with... I think we're still going to... Ha- oh, I know what you're saying. We are we have the China in the 550s.
1: Yeah. Before we leave the 550s, yeah. we we'll talk about China, and we'll talk about America.
2: Oh, yeah, right. So we still got some, yeah. In the 550s, religion's amazing. Think of it. You have Buddha. You have this guy, right? The Janus. So you have Lao Tzu, and that, that's Taoism. Then you have uh, Confucius. Amazing.
1: We, In a sense, we also have the formation of Roman religion, Oh, because the Roman religion comes from the Etruscans and from the Latins, but it's shaping; it's taking shape in at this time. Uh huh.
2: And the Persians, the Persians with their Zoroastrianism, and then yeah, we have
1: to get, we have to do a show on
2: that. Yeah, remember what happened with a, a Zoroastrian rich named Velma? What she did to Doctor Evo? What? We well, will This is a family show. <laughs> if you ever watched the um. <laughs> Austin Powers, when Dr. Evil gives his life story, he says of a Zoroastrian named Velma ritualistically shaved my
1: beep. <laughs> oh, I remember it now. I had forgotten.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said it to I said it to Gil when we were doing the record cast and he busted out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyway, the Zoroastrians. Well I I will. Uh, I'll talk more about um, Taoism a little bit on the um, when we talk about China. But I do want to tell you guys now before it's too late. I got a tattoo on my arm of the Dao De Ching the, in written in Chinese. The first line. So I'm now committed a committed Taoist. Wow. Yeah. It says the Dao that can be told is not the eternal Dao. And that's when we did our first quote of Taoist quote. I that was the one we said. That's the first line of the Dao De Jing. Oh, Lao Tzu. So it's a very religious century, the 500s.
1: For sure. And a very philosophical century as well.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And I remember that the the great Greek thinkers, their, their culture is forming at this time.
2: Yeah. Totally. Have, we have the great sages of Greece. Well, there's different ones, but they were all in the 500s, in the 6th century. So yeah, this is... This we're definitely. I feel we have definitely turned an era, Not maybe not one of ten to the twenty-third power, you know, <laughs> era, but we've definitely, we've definitely turned an era in this this middle sixth century BC into a new, you know, moving towards the classical period for sure.
1: And who knew that India was so old?
2: Uh, poof, I know, and they had such tall people,
1: much older than the universe, much older.
2: So yeah. So that's it for today, right? Yes. All right. So, you know, you guys, please check out our Facebook page. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash history. And thank
1: you to everyone who is supporting us on Patreon.
2: Yeah, really. Thank you so much to everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. Even if you can't support us on Patreon, if you could just listen to the show, tell your friends who might like it, like some other people do, and... It just helps us out. I I just want to say, like, I I say a lot of times, I do appreciate being able to do this podcast. I appreciate Dan. I appreciate you guys listening. Dan and I can't just, you know, record this and talk to ourselves if you guys weren't listening. And it's been really great for me. I met some really, I mean, I got to meet Dan. I've met so many nice people. I have friends from all around the world that do podcasts and YouTube videos. And it's it's all thanks to this. And I really, really
1: love it. I appreciate it. So do I. This is my oldest podcast and I currently do 10 podcasts. Amazing. But uh, this has been around it will soon be 10 years.
2: Wow. Well, I'm glad to be a part of it and I'm and as our usual end of our love fest at the end of our <laughs> episodes <laughs> I get all mushy but I do appreciate it. So so tell your friends so more people could listen to it and really appreciate it.
1: We'll catch you again. See you next time. See you
2: next time. Cheers.
1: Cheers.
3: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.